Thank you, Brother Mead. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Certainly is good to be in God's house. It's not, this place isn't usually God's house. I don't know what it's used for through the rest of the year, but since God's people have gathered here, he said where two or three would be gathered, he would be in the midst of them. So I believe his presence is here today. It's good to be in his presence. Good to be at youth conference again in Akron. We appreciate this meeting so much. Have now many fond memories of, of services here, what the Lord has done, how he's worked. One of my own sons received the Holy Ghost at youth conference. And it's just been a special time for me and my family. I regret that all of them were not able to be here today. But thank you, Brother Mead, for the invitation to come one more time and minister here. It's always been one of my favorite places to preach. I just love being around folks that, that like the Word of God. And... Uh, Thank you for the accommodations and all the nice touches in our behalf. Appreciate the hospitality. And uh, so good also to be teamed up this week with my good friend, Brother Hood. And uh, he did a wonderful job of preaching last night. If you wanted to be helped, you were helped last night. I've come to the conclusion that the folks that get helped are the ones that want to get helped. Folks that don't want to get help, you can't help them too much. I came here wanting to get helped. How about you? And the Lord has helped me already with that great message we heard last night. And I want the Lord to have his way here today. Each one of these day services, I know bumping the time up little earlier means a shorter night for a lot of you I don't know how that's going to work but I hope that you'll preach with me today that you come to hear from the Lord one more time praise the Lord let's let's sing a chorus together if you will before we turn to the Word of God one we know very well yeah. to be like Jesus to be like Jesus on earth I long to be like him is that the way you feel all through life's journey from
journey is from earth to glory. I only ask to be like you. Close your eyes, lift your hands, and sing it again. today. Amen. Before turning to the Word of God, I want to say a couple of things. The first is a disclaimer. I, uh, this has been probably the, the most difficult time of my whole life in the past number of months since my father's illness and death. And for a period of several months, I was interim pastor at his church as well and so trying to keep two churches going would be tough enough but they were 1800 miles apart so I have had to make numerous uh, unscheduled trips this is my 21st uh, major trip in the last few months I've never been so tired in all my life uh, so if my if I just start slurring my words if I switch to Portuguese you'll understand why and uh, just pray for me and we'll get back on track but I'm really relying on the Lord to give strength for these services second thing is I went to see a man Monday evening who was dying of cancer related to someone in our church unfortunately not ready to meet God and uh, as I walked in the room and went over to his side I had visited him before 
and I said, how are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I would be doing a lot better if you would just leave me alone. And I think that probably those words did not come from a clear mind. I think maybe the illness and just his fatigue uh, blurred his reason. And I choose to believe that he, uh, he wasn't really thinking straight when he said that. And I said, that's fine, I will leave you alone. And I walked out and within one or two hours everything started shutting down and yesterday afternoon he slipped into eternity. So close, yet so far. The one man that Mike could have helped him that day, he said, I'd be doing better if you'd just leave me alone. I hope there's nobody here today that feels that way. The best friend you have in the world is somebody that will preach to you and tell you the truth. I hope you are grateful for the pastor that God has given to you. That you do not feel defensive when he gets around. Praise the Lord. We need God to speak to us today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, so today I want to turn to a familiar passage in the book of Luke chapter 22 I have thought much meditated much on these services in the last few days this little message has been so forcibly impressed on my heart it's very simple it's very basic but it has held me in its grip now for a number of days. I have preached from this for the last three services in our own church. And this is what I feel in my heart today. Luke chapter 22, reading beginning with verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want to ask you a question today for my subject for the next little while and it's simply this have you been converted have you been converted could we one more time lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us in a special way today God we need you I need you I confess freely I can do nothing without you you're the vine we're the branches would you have your way here today 
by your presence that we've already felt in the service last night and already today I pray that you would land special anointing and unction to the preaching of your word right now give us ears to hear heart to receive let your will be done hallelujah 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 amen amen God bless you today you may be seated I have been tremendously bothered these days by the fact that it appears to me that it is possible to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, hand-chosen, hand-picked, to be in his company for a period of several years. To hear him speak. And that fact in itself is awesome to me. Which one of us today would not gladly give everything we have. If Jesus could physically stand before us for a few minutes today and we could hear him speak but you can be in his company for years and hear him speak and see him work some of the most dramatic miracles that this world has ever seen and yet not be converted well that's what Jesus said when thou art converted and I have seen so many people in my time struggle to live for God trying every which way to measure up and yet failing again and again I'm not talking about having bad days we all have bad days I'm not talking about having the occasional weak moment. We all have those. But I'm talking about struggling but failing over and over simply because they have never been converted. And I want you to know that all of your efforts to please God today, however noble they might be, are doomed unless you can get converted. Y'all already looking at me kind of strange here today. Praise the Lord. Conversion is defined as to be converted from one system of beliefs, philosophies, or allegiances 
to another. I don't just mean trying to adapt to another system. I mean to be converted to a whole other system of beliefs and philosophies and allegiances. It is to go from one physical state to another. It is possible in certain chemical instances for a substance to undergo such a conversion that it becomes another substance. Sugar can be converted into starch. And once it is converted, it never goes back again. I have used this illustration many times, though I know almost zero about electricity. I'm sure there are many in the building that know somewhat, maybe a lot about it. All I know is that there are some appliances that are AC and there are some appliances that are DC. Alternating current and direct current. Exactly what that means, I have no clue, except that one you plug into the wall and the other one uses batteries. Now the one that uses batteries, you dare not plug it into the wall because it will fry. It will be instantly destroyed. They're both electricity, but it's a different current altogether. And the one cannot handle the other. Unless you have a converter. If you have a converter, it will interpret one type of current and make it compatible to that device so that it can operate. We have way too many people sitting around Pentecostal churches that are trying to absorb this Holy Ghost current who have not been converted. I'm telling you, you get too close to the power without conversion and it will destroy you. God told Moses, you put a barrier around this mountain and don't let anything touch it. Because if it touches it, it will die. You can't handle the kind of current that's going to be on this mountain without a converter. Starting to feel a little bit better here today. Praise the Lord. Conversion is to have a total about face in thought. I don't mean today you try to be different. I mean you have a total about face in your thought process, in your beliefs, in your goals. 
in your desires, your ambitions, your agenda, and your pursuits. Yes, sir. It is to have a complete change in role and purpose. Conversion is a fundamental change. It's something that happens way down inside. It is more than just an expressed desire or wish. We sang just now to be like Jesus. But a lot of folks sing that song that don't really live for God. It's more than just expressing a desire. No doubt your desire is sincere, but I'm talking about a fundamental change way down on the inside. There are lots of folks that are trying to live for God because they know it's right. And they know they should. But they cannot do it from the heart because they have never been converted. Their core values have not changed. That's why every time you turn around, they're trying to slip off over here and do something they shouldn't be doing. That's why the first time they don't have supervision, they're getting into something that they shouldn't be getting into. That's why when the pastor or when the parents aren't around, you can't count on them to do right because they have never been converted. Their core values have not changed. That old Adamic nature is alive and well on the inside. Hallelujah. I hope you'll bear with me a little while. This isn't fancy, but it's what I feel. The Bible says of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. Whatever consumes you on the inside is what will eventually manifest itself on the outside. You might suppress it. You might hide it. You might conceal it. You might camouflage it. You might control it for a while, but eventually it will pull you where it is. Hey man, one thing my pastor, Brother Spell, used to say over and over when I was a teenager. It's one of the things that has stayed with me all of my life. And it is simply this. Hallelujah. Your feet will eventually take you where your heart has been a long time. I hope to God we don't have young folks sitting around here today just biding their time. Just waiting for that opportune moment. But your thoughts, your meditations are filled with fantasies. 
and things that involve amen your carnal desires and the appeal that this world has I hope there's no young lady sitting around here amen that have looked at yourself in the mirror and wondered what would I look like with some makeup on what would I look like with that haircut that's in that style magazine your feet will eventually take you where your heart has been a long time you have yet to be converted because when you are converted you don't think like that anymore I hope we have no young men sitting around here thinking I wonder what a cigarette tastes like. I wonder what it would be like to get drunk one time. I wonder what marijuana really feels like. I wonder what a snort of cocaine would really do to me. Because if you're thinking that way, eventually your feet are going to take you where your heart is. What I'm talking about is a fundamental change of your core values. Hallelujah. I want to know tonight, have you been converted? You can be seated. I'm talking about more than just conformity. It is possible to adapt without conversion. You can learn all the standards. You can get all the rules down. You can be fulfilling the letter of the law today, but never really understanding the need for it. Oh, I know you're dressed every inch the apostolic today. But have you been converted? I know you've got your hair just right, but have you been converted? I know you fellas look nice in your little shirts and ties and suits here today, but what I want to know is, have you been converted? measure up to the dress code and still have an evil heart well I hope the Holy Ghost will help me here today and I'm not minimizing that thank God for good pastors that have taught you well and if you're conforming that's a plus. That's a step in the right direction. Hallelujah. If you're conforming, well, your obedience is commendable. But what I'm telling you is, there is pressure coming down the road. There is 
is temptation coming down the road. And all of your conformity will not prevent you from having the biggest failure of your life unless you are converted. Oh, we can adopt a pattern of worship. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, we can. We can learn all the moves. We can get all the right responses at the right time. We know how to do it so that when the preacher's looking in our direction, we're doing all the right and acceptable things. But have you been converted? I know you can juke and jive. I've seen you do it. You can cut a rug. Get the music going just right. And you've learned how to do it. And you can do that and your mind will not even be in this place. Thank God for worship. Thank God for good music. Thank God for folks that get involved. But I'm telling you, you can sit around church for years and learn all the moves and yet have never been converted. You can adopt the lifestyle of church. Yes, you can. You can be there every time the days are open, or the, the, the doors are open. You can pay your tithes. You can give in the offerings. Work around the church. Volunteer for this or that. And it's all great. Yes, sir. May not be converted. They do that around some Baptist churches. There's Catholic folks that are that devout. But they haven't been converted. I don't know if I'm helping anybody or just making folks mad here today. Oh yeah, you can do it all. You can shout and run the arms. So I don't like what you're implying, Brother Alviar. Well, you can take it any way you want to take it. I've seen him do it and commit fornication after church. seen him fall out and jerk and carry on and crawl in the back seat of a car as soon as service is over and do things they shouldn't be doing. You know why? Because your core values have not been changed. 
You have not been converted. You have learned conformity. That's all. I know this is different than what we've done here in past years, but it's just what I feel. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can have association without conversion. Associate with the people of God. Be at all the meetings. Yes, that's right. So I just don't know if I believe it quite like that, Brother Alviar. Well, here's a man who rubs shoulders with Jesus Christ. I said, Jesus Christ. Rode in the same boat with him. Walked on journeys with him. How far can you go without conversion? Let me show you how far you can go and still not be converted. You can have a revelation and not be converted. say that I am. Thou art the Christ. Y'all getting uncomfortable now? And he really had a revelation. Oh yes he did. He knew who Jesus was. Let me tell you how far you can go. You can walk on the water. And not be converted. Nobody else could say that. What do you mean telling me I'm not converted yet? I'm the only one that walked on the water with you. None of these other losers had the nerve. Tell it, tell it, tell it. And you can say what you will. It took a lot of faith for him to swing his leg out. And step down on the surface of that stormy sea. And believe it would hold him up. And he walked on the water. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The only one other than Jesus Christ who can make that boast. But he still had not been converted. 
Hallelujah. How far can you go without conversion? You can cast out devils. You can heal the sick. Woo, it's quiet now. Was not Peter among those that were sent out by twos? And they came back saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us. That's your name. Jesus had commissioned them to go and heal the sick and cast out devils. And they did exactly that. That's right, that's right, Sam. And yet, he had never been converted. He had learned some things. He was benefiting from the exposure to the power of God. He was learning to apply the power and the word and the name. But he had still not been converted. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we'll try to get on track again tomorrow if we can. Did not Jesus say that on that day, there will be those that will say to him, Lord, we have sat and we have eaten in thy presence. We have cast out devils in your name and healed the sick in your name. And he is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You can put it into action and get all the right results and still not be converted. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh, I know, Peter. I know you're standing there telling me now. Though all men be offended, I will never be offended. And I know you're sincere. And I know you mean it. And I know you're honest. And I know you think that's the way it's going to be. But I'm telling you that the pressure is going to be greater. I know you're telling me, hey man, I am ready. I'm re Don't worry about me, I'm ready. Oh, I tell you what, there are times when as a pastor I just want to scream. You see somebody that you know is slipping. They've got all the telltale signs. You can stand and be seated, whatever you want to do. They've got all the telltale signs. 
You know something isn't right. But you can't put your finger on it yet. Maybe they haven't even really done anything wrong yet. And so when you come to them and you say, brother, I feel like there's a problem here and I just I just want you to know that I'm concerned about you and I'm worried about you and they can look up in all honesty in all innocence and say who me I'm doing fine pastor don't worry about me worry about so and so no less than Jesus Christ is standing there looking at him and saying I have some inside information Peter that Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat and you would think that the proper response at this point would be for him to drop to his knees and say oh my God if you see something I don't see if you know something I don't know prepare me strengthen me equip me help me oh my friend that would have been the reaction from a converted man but you see he had not been converted yet and all he could say was don't worry about me I am ready I'm ready to go with you into prison and to death. I'm willing to go all the way. And I do not think that Peter was being insincere, deceptive, hypocritical. I believe he meant it with all of his heart. Just like maybe some of you would mean it today if I was to ask you. You really mean it. There's a desire to live for God. But you don't know what's coming around the next band. Jesus said, I know what's coming. Satan hath desired to have it. It's going to get rougher than you've ever imagined. Hallelujah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, not me. I'm ready. I'm ready to go with you into prison and to death. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, before the cock crows this night, you will have denied three times that you know me. The same lips that could confess that Jesus was the Son of God could curse and swear. When the pressure was on, could deny that he ever knew him. Because he had not been converted. Can you bear with me a little while today? Hallelujah. Elder Mead, if you could please, or Brother Rainey, either one. Get me John chapter 12. Let, let them get it. Let them read it. John chapter 12. I want to show you something here real quick. John chapter 12 verse 35. Now, this is right after 
Jesus has spoken those powerful words, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. <clears throat> powerful words. And he was speaking concerning the death that he would die. He would be raised on the cross. Hallelujah. And so now then in verse 35, here's what he says. Then Jesus said unto them, Said unto them, Yet a little while mm -hmm. is the light with you. Read. Walk while ye have the light. Walk while ye have the light. Lest darkness come upon you. Yes. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Knoweth not whither he goeth. Read. While you have the light. While you have the light. Believe in the light. Believe in the light. That you may be the children of light. That you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed. And departed. And did hide himself from them. And did hide himself from them. Now listen. But though he had done so many miracles before them. But though he had done so many miracles before them. Yet they believed not on him. They believed not on him. Read. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Fulfilled. Which he spake, Lord. Lord. Who hath believed our report. Who hath believed our report. And to whom is the arm of the Lord. To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Isaiah 53. Beautiful passage. Read. Therefore they could not believe. They could not believe. Because that Isaiah said again. Mm -hmm. He hath blinded their eyes. Blinded their eyes. And hardened their hearts. Hardened their hearts. That they should not see with their eyes. Or understand with their heart. And be converted. And I should heal them. Do you understand it is possible for you to sit in this kind of an atmosphere. Where the presence of God is moving all around you. And God can be doing miraculous things right before your eyes. But it never dawns on you what's really. There are people that absolutely do not have a clue what is going on. Because their ears are stopped up. And their eyes are blinded. And their hearts are heavy. And they cannot be converted. There's another passage that I don't know if I'm going to take the time to read here this morning. But it happens in the 13th chapter of Matthew. And in this chapter, Jesus was questioned by his disciples. Why do you speak to them in parables? And he tells them because uh, to them it's not given to know the mysteries, but to you it is given. And he again quotes from those, that same passage of Isaiah. And he said, this people, they have, they have, their eyes they have closed. They have closed their eyes. Lest at any time. Lest at any time. They should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears. Lest they should be converted. Lest they should be converted. And I, should heal them. and I should heal them. Read on, Brother Rainey. But blessed are your eyes. But blessed are your eyes. For they see. Your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you. Yes. That many prophets and righteous men mm. have desired to see these things. Yes. 
Yes. And have not seen them. Have not seen them. And hear those things which ye hear. Which you hear. And have not heard them. Number one, amen, this generation in Pentecost is hearing the finest preaching that this world has ever heard. We have the best conditions and circumstances that Pentecost has ever seen. Look what a beautiful environment we have here today, surrounded in beauty and in comfort. We have come to have this youth conference. Oh yes, and we do this all the time, all the time. And yet just like those who witnessed the Messiah in action, they could not understand what was happening before them. There are people that hear the same things, hear the same things, and somehow it never helps them. Their eyes they have shut, their ears they have stopped, their hearts they have made heavy, and they cannot be converted. And they will go out from this atmosphere and from this environment and take a nosedive into this world. I wrote here, I wrote here, there is a difference in how people hear. There's folks in my church that do not listen the same way. Oh, they're present, but they're clueless. They absolutely have no idea of what is taking place. They're just sitting there. It's like, go ahead and do what you gotta do. Say what you gotta say. I've even had some go out and sit in the vestibule while I have to exhort the church because their attitude is, I come here tired, I didn't come here to hear all that. And at the same time, there are other folks that are sitting there on the edge of their seats going, oh God, help me. Save me, God. Make me what I ought to be. And I am convinced that there are some things that are being preached that are literally not reaching some people's ears. Because they have been hardened. They will not be helped by it. They cannot be converted, therefore they will not be healed from their condition. I've always wondered how it is that two folks can sit in the same service. One gets mad at the preaching. The other one, the other one, amen, is moving up in God. Every message is another rung up the ladder. Can I tell you something? If you have been converted, there is not a single Bible-based anointed message that could ever hurt you. That would ever threaten you. 
that would ever make you want to go away somewhere and get away from it when you have been converted it's all music to your ears it is the word of God I'm going to try to hurry. I'm going to try to hurry. Oh, it's way past time to quit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But Paul spoke about it too in the last chapter of Acts when he had tried reaching the Jews so many times. And they had just hardened and resisted. And finally, he quoted that same passage in so many words. And he said, the heart of this people is waxed gross. And that's why they will not be converted so that they can be healed. So that they can be fixed, restored, renewed. And he said, so now I'm going to turn to the Gentile. Let me tell you something, my friend. You can sit there with that attitude only so long. Before God will finally turn, because they're somewhere out there sucking a cigarette right now. Somewhere out there, amen, smoking pot right now. Somewhere out there sitting in front of a TV right now is a future evangelist, a pastor, a missionary, a prayer warrior, a soul winner, who when they hear the word of God, something is going to be awakened inside of them. And they're going to say, it's me, heal me. Can you give me just a few more minutes? And be seated. Hallelujah. I know I've mentioned this just about every time I've been here, but it's my experience. I just know that although I was raised, I was raised in church. My dad was a missionary. I saw things that few eyes will see. Devils being cast out was not an unusual event when I was growing up. You almost half expected it just about every service. With a large percentage of the country of Brazil being devil worshippers and spiritists. You could just, before you, somebody could get the Holy Ghost, you have to cast the devil out of them sometimes. Miracles. The move of the Holy Ghost. I saw it. It made an impression on me. I thank God for that. It wasn't as though I was just kind of, uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, numb to the whole thing. It wasn't. It wasn't noticing it. I noticed it. I knew what it was. But I still reached a point in my life, without going into a lot of detail, where I had to come to grips with it myself. And while I was being torn between two opinions, because at the same time, some of my buddies that sat on the same pews with me. One by one, we're leaving the church. Oh, I know you don't want that to happen. I hope it doesn't happen with this wonderful group that's sitting in front of me. But I look back 
at both youth groups that I was in as a young person. And so very few of them are still living for God today. Some of them we went to eat together. We did everything together. They sat right where I sat. And they started leaving one by one. And going out to the world pursuing whatever it is they were after. Amen. And you know what? A lot of times they're not content just to stay out there. They got to come back every so often and flaunt it. And they want everybody to see what a good time they're having. And how cool they are now, brotherhood. And they've got their goofy styles and their, their, their new persona, their new, their new personality. And a young person who does not have their convictions fully formed can be so vulnerable to that. And you look around and you think, man, here I am sitting on this same pew. We're singing the same songs. Going, I'd like to experience some of that. I felt that. I experienced that. I'm not proud of it, but I struggled with it. And it was a turmoil on the inside. And there was a period of time when I almost... I almost tilted. I never went out. I never did any of those things. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I just thank God that the Lord rescued me before. And all I know is that I went to that Saturday night men's prayer meeting. I know you've heard me talk about it before, but I, I went to that Saturday night men's prayer meeting and I don't even know why I went because I certainly did not feel like praying. But I just knew that's where I needed to be and I went and I walked in and prayer meeting was already well in progress and they were some kneeling down here, some against the walls and some walking the aisles and some leaping for joy and there was all this prayer going on and I stood back there, there's one little light on over the platform, that was it. You could just barely see just dim shapes moving around and I stood back there in that hallway watching all that for a few moments. And tears began to run down my face. And I thought, God, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. I can't live with this turmoil anymore. And I was so ashamed of where I was spiritually that I crawled under the back pew. Nobody knew I was there. But I crawled under the back pew, which was up against a short brick, a wall that was a separator from the a walkway behind there. And I crawled under there and buried my face against that, that uh, uh, place where the brick wall and the carpet met. And I began to scream and to cry. And I couldn't feel anything. You hear me? I could not feel anything. Except my own anguish. Except my own turmoil. 
I've seen a lot of folks cry like that around the altars. They're crying because of how mixed up they are. They're crying because of how frustrated they are. They're crying because of how ashamed they are. And I'm always thinking, oh, come on. You got to push a little farther. You got to push a little farther. There's something beyond that barrier. and I don't know how it happens all I know is that there was a point and just by knowing how much time I was under there after I got out amen it had to have come somewhere after about an hour and a half of being under there just crying and screaming and not feeling anything before suddenly amen those arms of God I can't describe it or define it. All I know is I knew when it happened. I could feel like the arms of God wrapping around me. And that warm sensation just flood my being. And I began to speak with tongues. With total abandon. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And all I know, my friend, is that when I crawled out from under that pew, for one thing I was surprised to find that I was all alone. Everybody had left except one, my pastor, sitting over a few pews away, waiting for me. And when, he, when I got up from out, out from under that pew with shirt tails out, hair messed up, amen, face a mask from snot and tears. I must have been a sight. I crawled out, looked around, surprised nobody else was there, surprised he was there. I looked at him, I smiled at him. He looked at me and smiled at me. We took a few steps toward each other and I put my arms around him. And to my recollection, not one word was spoken, but he knew, he knew. He knew that something had happened under that pew. I can't explain it. You're going to be seated for a few minutes. I'm trying to wrap it up. Amen. I can't explain it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, look, I had the Holy Ghost before that. I talked in tongues. You understand? I don't know how to explain all of this. All I know is that something happened under that pew. That when I crawled out from under it, it was all over. It was different. I never wondered again how my friends were doing out there and what it would be like to be with them. All I could think about was getting to church. All I could think about was getting in the prayer room. All I could think about was getting in that altar. All I could think about was singing and worshiping God and reading the word of God. I'm telling you, 
you can have conformity and you can have association but not have conversion there is a difference I may be looking at folks here today that have been in church for 10 or 15 years that have never really had that happen to you where your core values are so changed that from one day to the next you start seeing everything totally different church becomes more than just an intrusion on your time an encumbrance on your schedule you love the house of God where you're not threatened or intimidated by your leadership and the ministry any longer but you look at them as your best friends where you love the word of God and it doesn't insult and offend you it just makes you want to draw a little bit closer to God I know there's folks here this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about because it's happened to you and you never wonder again and you never want again what this world has to offer never 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 Amen. Brother Hood said it right last night. And I feel the same way, Helder. Amen. I don't know what people mean when they talk about quitting. What do you mean, quit? I try to even understand how they're thinking, and I can't. I try to relate to what they're feeling, and I can't. I try to project myself into that place, and I can't. I try to imagine what it must be like to feel so, so pressured and to feel so beat down that you just think about quitting church, quitting God. I don't know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. I do not know. Because something has changed inside of here. And that's not even a consideration. That's not a part of the equation. That's not something you ever think about. It's like, how do I get through this trial? How do I make it through this temptation? Amen. How can I pray through this situation? But it's always moving forward. Moving forward. Moving forward. Because there is no going back. You can remain standing because I'm closing. But Acts 3 and 19 says, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you what, what Peter did that saved him. When he realized what he had done, he didn't just say, well, I did that, might as well go all the way now. Well, I failed God, I might as well just never show up again. No, no, he went out and wept 
Bitterly. Bitterly. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Come on. How can you ever forgive me? I did what I said I'd never do. And I'll tell you something else he did. He didn't stay away. Because when word came that Jesus had been resurrected or that Jesus was not in the tomb, he thought, I got to see this for myself. He took off for running. And he took one look in that tomb and he began to hope. And when the disciples got together and they were talking about it and they were contemplating and discussing it, Peter was there. I don't know what happens next, but whatever happens next, I'm going to be there. And suddenly, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. several times and it appears that there's no dialogue between Jesus and Peter until that day when they're fishing and you know the story and I've used it before too but there's that lone figure on the seashore in the early morning mist and they have toiled all night and caught nothing and a voice calls out children have you any meat the sound of his voice smote him and when they felt the nets come up tight he knew with certainty he said it is the Lord I'm not going to run from him I'm going to run toward him you boys handle the fish I need something I need to talk to Jesus about something he cast his cloak off from off of him and he dove into the water and swam to where Jesus was. I don't know what happened in those ensuing minutes until the others got there. But while they are eating the bread and the fish, Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, oh yes. I just thought I did before, but I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times until the third time, Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. We fast forward to the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And out of that upper room walks a converted man. Converted man. And when the question is asked, men and brethren, what shall we do without hesitation? He could say with anointing, with authority, and with confidence and conviction, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost suddenly he's a totally different man 
He's not trying to cut somebody's head off. He's not trying to be number one. He's not trying to exalt himself. He is converted. I'm here to tell you. Amen. The Bible said again, repent and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come. This was spoken by a man who had bitter experience. If you can repent and get your heart right with God and keep yourself in position, it may not happen today, it may not happen tonight, it may not happen in the next few services, though I hope it will, but sooner or later there is a wave coming from the throne of God. And when it comes, it's going to do something to you that you will never be the same again. Heads bowed and eyes closed. It is my fervent wish, my fervent desire that right here at this youth conference somebody somebody who's just been conforming will be converted. You know what I'm looking for as a pastor all the time when I see people around the altar? I'm looking for that same whatever it is that happened to me so many years ago. I stood on that spot again just a few days ago and I thanked God. I thanked God. Some of you have been struggling with some things for so long. Over and over the same battles, the same defeats. I'm not trying to question your experience today. We all have bad days. We all have impure thoughts. We all have things that happen. But I'm talking about feeling that pull to the world. You'd like to get that behind you once and for all. You'd like to be an overcomer. I'm here to tell you, you can be converted right here at this youth conference. So that when you go home, everybody will know. Everybody will know. That you are not the same person anymore.